Will the Clippers give Steve Ballmer a bigger headache than the Mountain gave Prince Oberon? Let's find out on Where the Money Is. I'm Mark Reith and he's Sean O'Reilly and this is another edition of Where the Money Is. It's Tuesday so it's a consumer goods edition. Sean, did you watch HBO's Game of Thrones on Sunday? I have it TiVo'd. Okay. I'm all set to watch it, so no matter what, under uh, no circumstances are you allowed to say anything about the episode. All right, sure. I'm glad you You're going to ruin my lunch I today. Can do it. <laughs> oh, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. It's fine. It'll be great. It's fine. Oops. Anyway, we have a couple of things to talk about, including some headlines. And let's start there with Krispy Kreme. Dow hits another record, but Apple and Krispy Kreme fall. Now, Krispy Kreme blamed bad weather for a pretty bad first quarter, with results that sent shares down about 13% yesterday and another few percentage points today. Sean, first and foremost, what were some highlights from Krispy Kreme's quarter? Uh, before I get into that, I have a confession. Mm -hmm. I planned on bringing in some Krispy Kreme donuts for us. And why didn't of you? Our first. The problem is they have two major locations in Virginia, mm -hmm. and they're both south of us. One is in southern Alexandria, way out of my way, and the other one wasn't even an option in Fredericksburg. So I'm sorry, I'll get them next time. It's fine. Um, they missed, uh, factoring out some one-time charges, they missed by a penny. Mm -hmm. Factoring in those one-time charges, they missed. Uh, they had ni earnings of $9.7 million, and uh, again, with, uh, taking out the one-time charges, $15.8 million earnings, 23 cents a share. They expected to earn 24 cents, so that wasn't really the problem. Mm -hmm. The problem that everybody you know had with the report, all the investors saying their shares you know south, what, 10%, something like that, yeah. was uh, the cut guidance for the year. Mm -hmm. They moved their guidance down. They're expected to earn this year uh, now. Um, da -da 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 -da. 73, you know, 70, 75 cents a share. Mm -hmm. So, and that was the real issue. Mm -hmm. um, this wasn't that great of a send-off. The other sad thing for me was this was the last quarterly earnings that the current CEO was going to be a part of. He's now going to be the C, uh, the chairman. Right. Uh, his name is James Morgan. And then the new CEO, Anthony Thompson, we'll see how he does in the donut business, but he was former the CEO, COO of Papa John's. Okay. So, good times. So, <laughs> all that being said, is the, is the weakness... Is the lower guidance coming from a point of view of no one's eating donuts anymore? Like for me, I eat a little bit healthier than I used to, and that's, I think, a trend that a lot of people, a lot of retailers are certain, certainly seeing. Uh, you look at Sprouts, Whole Foods, all the organic grocers, they're blowing up. Gro Kroger, Walmart, they're all going organic. On the game, yeah. Or is it competition from Dunkin' and Starbucks? Dunkin' is expanding rapidly. They're trying to bring more people in for lunch. Starbucks, it's creating more and more food for breakfast. Uh, what's the deal here? What, where's the weakness? That was exactly what I was thinking, because I too, it's, I can't even remember the last donut I had, to be right. perfectly honest right. with you. <laughs> you know, it's the same deal. Um, the company noted, and this was a really standout point to me, um, most of their company-owned stores are in parts of the country mm. that got hit by the bad weather. Right. Simple fact of the matter is, Chris became a bunch of their uh, revenues comes from their wholesale operation, which basically means stocking the shelves of gas stations, all that stuff. They have have the standalone stores, but there's actually only, as I mentioned earlier, two in all of Virginia. Right. So that's not a big, you know. Their company-owned stores in parts of the country that got hard hit by the weather, mm -hmm. those were the underperformers. The franchise stores in the other parts of the country that you know had decent weather, you know, this first quarter, mm -hmm. they did great. Their comps were up like four, four and a half percent. Okay, so this is a case of a retailer I, who actually it really was the winter this yeah, time. Yeah, I believe them. Okay, I really do. and uh, the reason being, simple fact of the matter is. A bunch of their revenues comes from these convenience stores or whatever. If nobody's on the road, nobody's going to be buying these donuts. So I, I believed them. Okay, so then going forward, do you believe in Krispy Kreme? 
Going forward, yes, I do. Okay. Um, currently, they have like 830, 840 stores currently. Their plan is to, by the end of 2016, have 1,300. Mm. That's a 57% increase in the number of stores they have. Right. They're, uh, they're called small factory stores. I think that's what they're called. Yeah, small factory. I don't know. Larger stores, not the tiny little right, right. kiosk type things. The DuPont Circle yeah. one. Yeah. yeah, the DuPont Circle one, right? Uh, I thought you said you didn't need. No, <laughs> I don't. Unless you're drunk in Dupont Circle at 2 a.m. Not, nothing like Christmas comfort food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, these things are actually ridiculously profitable. Mm -hmm. Okay. Not only do they not have to charge themselves the franchise fees that ch they charge other people, right. but they just crank out these donuts, which cost a penny. They sell them for a dollar, and it's it's game over. So, I have high hopes for them going forward. That being said. The stock did just have a pullback. When they're trading at like 30, 35 times earnings, they're not growing that fast. Right. I mean, they're growing, but it's not like some huge tech stock or Groupon and something some in terms of revenues. So I believe in the business. Mm -hmm. A little iffy on the stock right now. I think it's a little pricey, but I this is just a blip on the map. This quarter wasn't like that bad or anything like that. Okay. Uh, moving right along, our next headline has to do with big lots. Is Big Lots tuned to go higher yet? Last week, late last week, Big Lots announced earnings. Shares of the company soared despite the fact that it earned only $3.3 million compared to $32.3 million in the same quarter a year ago. Whoa, that's a pretty steep drop. And yet shares are near like a two year high. Why? Why Every, are investors Everybody's happy, happy they're retreating from Canada. <laughs> That's right. It's, it's the Target situation. It's no, I actually, Canada. I would put money if Target were to say, like, okay, we're out of, uh, out of Canada, mm -hmm. shares through the roof. Everybody would so. love it. It's just weird how all these American retailers have tried to get into Canada quick. Mm -hmm. Target bought um, 89 locations, I'm sorry, 189 locations from Zellers, mm -hmm. hugely troubled Canadian retailer. Just... So they just were like, okay, we're not going to waste time. We're just going to boom buy all these leases, right. open up targets, whatever. Right. You can call it Canadian citizens looking at the new targets and being like, eh, there used to be a Zellers there. I don't want to shop. You can call it whatever you want. They just haven't been able to work there. Mm -hmm. Big Lots did the same thing. Mm -hmm. They bought a bunch of locations cheap. Psychology being what it is, nobody can seem to crack this or whatever. Mm -hmm. The argument could be made that had they, you know, everything's 2020 in hindsight, done it, you know, the slow and steady way, actually put some thought into where the locations were, just done it the way they grew their U.S. businesses. Right. Maybe they'd be having more success, but Wall Street is loving that Big Lots is getting back to what they are doing well, which is being a closeout store in the United States. <laughs> okay, so are they going to find more success in the United States? They're not. It's not a fast, high-growth company, like you no. said. It's not a, not, a, not a tech stock by any means. But I do, like you said. Leaving Canada, closing those stores there brings a lot more cash to their balance sheets. They're going to have a little bit more wiggle room now, now that For they're sure. not spending so much in Canada. I think if they, they almost have no debt, that was right. I was going to say, yeah, they got like very, seventy-nine million dollars and like very good finances. Like deep yeah. down, you look at the balance sheet, not too shabby of a company. Is that enough for you to dive in today, or are you just going to wait for Big Lots to see how they do domestically? Um, I, you can probably take a good stab at how they'll do domestically. Mm -hmm. It's a decently growing U.S.-based retailer. It's reasonably sized. They have some room to grow because they aren't huge outside of the Midwest, the East Coast, and everything. Right. Um, you know, it's reasonably valued. It's not, you know, compared to a lot of other stocks out there, I don't think you do badly mm -hmm. entering here, but it's not going to, like, make you super rich or anything like that. I believe we call this a... Meh 
stock. Nah. Yeah. Par for the course. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's par for the course. It's, it's a good company. Yeah. yeah. It's a good so, company, good stock. Not going to get Good Ohio-based company. Is it really? Yeah. Ohio. Columbus, Ohio. All I'm right. Sorry. Moving right <laughs> along, Ohio kids. Uh, speaking of retail, as you probably know here at The Fool, it's our job to educate, amuse, and enrich. Note that educate comes first. It's just that important. To that end, we wanted to dive a bit deeper into a very important and very often used metric in consumer goods, same store sales, or comparable store sales. And you might have caught us mentioning this already in the show, and I bet you've seen it in an article or two, but not everyone knows just what exactly we're talking about and why it's so important. So, Sean, what are comparable store sales and why are they so important? Uh, comparable store sales is possibly the most important measure in evaluating retailers and restaurants. Right. The reason being, if Mark's restaurant, and what do you want to sell? Barbecue, uh, beer? Italian. Italian, all right, perfect. Yeah. Um, you could easily, if you have 10 locations, double your revenues or something along those lines um, just by opening five more locations. Right. Like, no problem. I'm sorry, 50% increase in revenues, just adding five more locations. Right. No problem. Everybody on Wall Street might love you. However, what happens if your original 10 locations started not doing so well? Mm -hmm. That would signal that basically your customers are leaving. They're not you know, coming back or whatever. The reason, for example, everybody loves a company like Chipotle mm -hmm. is because they, for some reason, everybody likes this specialty, you know, quality food, you know, Mexican. Uh, they just, despite all of their growth since in this entire history, uh, how long have they been around? 10, 15 years now? Yeah. yeah. Um, they keep delivering on comps. Mm -hmm. This past quarter, their comps growth, year-over-year -year sales growth in stores that have been open for at least a year, mm -hmm. which is the measure. It measures the performance of a store or restaurant for, you know, basically compared to last year, so it has to be open for at least a year, right. was up 13%. Right. So instead of all the growth, all the customers that go into a Chipotle, went into a Chipotle last year, 13% mm -hmm. higher sales and these stores open uh, uh, longer than a year last year, or this past quarter. Right. This is amazing. Right. And it's not too bad. Unfortunately, that is what led JCPenney to trouble, and this is really what I want to talk about today. Mm -hmm. A key measure that everybody's been looking at with JCPenney every quarter, because they're looking at the cash flow, earnings, whatever, nobody's really expecting them to turn a profit right now. Right. Their sales per square foot are too low. So uh, all, all these traders, all these, actually, they actually are all traders. What was that uh, video you and Mike did a month or two ago? You were like, yeah, JCPenney's for traders. That was it. Yeah, that was, I mean, that was the long and short of it. It yeah. really is, uh, it's one of those momentum stocks that you're going to play on the swings. For sure. Yeah. And what a key metric that all these guys are looking at is the year-over-year same-store sales of JCPenney's stores. Mm -hmm. Nobody's expecting them to turn a profit anytime soon. That's it. That's all they have to go on. So this past quarter, JCPenney's stock was up, you know, 5-10% on comps growth of 6.2%. So, on average, JCPenney's stores this past quarter compared to last year's quarter, sales were up 6.2%. Sounds great, right? Nah. What about, nah. Not really. I mean, nah. Everybody loved it. They have, I don't think people realize how long, uh, how tall of a hill they have to climb. Right. The year they ran into trouble was 2012 when Johnson was running the show. Mm -hmm. I'm, no, I'm sure you're a fan of him, right? Everyone is. Everybody. Apple Store is. Anyway, um, that year, their comps, listen to this. For the quarter ended April 28, 2012, comps fell 18.9%. Mm hmm. Quarter end of July 28th, comparable store sales minus 21.7. Third quarter fiscal year 2012, minus 26.1%. For the full year, comps fell a whopping 24.8%. Ouch. For years, 
total company's revenue is 17, you know, a little bit over 17 billion dollars. It fell to just below 13. That, like, that was the year that really did them in. Mm -hmm. Stock crashed like everything. So when you're seeing these numbers like, oh, comp, you know, comps increased 6.2%. In order for JCPenney to just get back to where they were, revenues of 17 billion dollars, sales per square foot of about 150, 155 dollars per square foot, they're going to have to have four years of consistent comps growth of 6%. Hmm. Do you think they can do it? For, they could. They could? They could. Here's the problem. Okay, no, you're like, eh, no. Yeah, okay, so hold on. Were you more recently eating a Krispy Kreme donut or in a JCPenney? Great question, actually. Probably This neither. is a small sample size and it doesn't matter for investing. Oh, it totally matters. This is, I am the most important thing here. Uh, probably a Krispy Kreme, probably because someone brought it into work. Okay, uh, so you're JC the Penny ideal now. sample of a millennial, That's about late right. 20s male. Yes. Buy Krispy Kreme donuts. Right. Yeah. Um, no, the point is, they could. I mean, they very well could. Here's the sad thing. That best, their returns on equity were like 10%, mm -hmm. which is marginally below, like marginally average for an American corporation. They're still getting, you know, beat up by Macy's. Right. If they were to have four years, uh, we're talking about 2018. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine what, like, you'll be doing in 2018? Not shopping at JCPenney. Right. Yeah. Um, we actually just got our family portrait done at JCPenney. It was a Groupon. Oh, delightful. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, four years just to get back to where they were, mm -hmm. which was average for a retailer. Right. So everybody, anybody thinking about playing the JCPenney turnaround needs to keep this in mind because they have a long road just to get back to where they were. Absolutely. All right. Comp store sales, JCPenney. We covered a lot of ground in that. That was for nice. sure. No, that was yeah. good. Yeah. You took you took a theoretical discussion and made it a practical one. Educational. And I learned about your uh, spending habits. And I learned that you went to JCPenney for a portrait and I haven't gotten one yet. On. That hurts, man. That hurts. Anyway, let's move on to today's mailbags. We got a couple of questions from a couple of listeners and viewers. Uh, we're going to start with this sports team one. Steve Ballmer just bought the Clippers for $2 billion. Now, I don't have that kind of money, so how can I invest in a sports team? From David W. Looking around, consumer goods. Consumer goods does cover uh, sports teams' investments. What little, what little, what yeah. few there are. Who looks good to you, Sean? Anyone, if any. None of them look good. Yeah. All sports teams lose money. Just it's. Yeah. Yeah. I'm speaking facetiously. Like that's not 100% accurate, but like you're not wrong. Yeah. The Yankees loses money, but they make money on cable distribution rights, so right. that's okay. But like. I mean, I think I saw this, uh, I was looking at the um, Tribune Company bankruptcy like three or four years ago. Mm -hmm. The Chicago Cubs, which would be fun to own, makes like eight million. Would it be fun to own the million. Chicago Cubs? Oh, would it be hard It's about the experience, Right, of Mark. course. <laughs> not, bad, not bad. All right, so what about, what about a, a very popular international team like Man U? That would be the one that I would suggest. Right. That is about it, and soccer is obviously huge around the world. Yeah. I mean, that would be like the one way to play owning mm -hmm. a sports franchise. The other option that you would have would be to move to Green Bay, Wisconsin, because every citizen technically owns the Green Bay Packers. That would be my <laughs> only other idea. <laughs> don't they only distribute stock like once every couple of years up there? Yeah. I don't, um, I don't know about that. And I don't, it would be a commitment. It would, it would be a long-term holding. It would be a long-term <laughs> holding, right. Uh, and and you would have to deal with Green Bay's winters. So. Yeah, and you'd have to deal with Green Bay's teams. Uh, I'm not sure about Man U, uh, simply because if you look at their balance sheet, they're debt. It's like a billion it's dollars in debt. Yeah, no. it's not I would not good. recommend owning a sports team. On the other hand, they have been doing very well this year, and when you were doing well in professional European soccer, you actually, you get purses, you get championship prizes. Plus, everyone's going to be watching the championship team, so you're going to get ads, you're going to get sponsors. Right. 
All that being said, I think their debt's at like a billion dollars right now. I think they're paying it off something like 60 million a year. It's not. It's a long way to go. Right. The other the other company I checked out when I was researching uh, my answer for this, Madison Square Garden, which I think. Like you said, not That's a not great, a bad play. Not not a bad play. Not a great play. The reason I found it interesting, though, so if you look at Forbes, Forbes ranks all the sports teams around the world on what's the most valuable to least valuable. Most valuable basketball franchise out there was the New York Knicks, which play at Madison Square Garden. For sure. They were worth, I think it was 1.4 million dollars. Excuse me. Yeah. Billion. Uh, no, 1.4 billion. You're right. Yeah. Um, and so this Steve Ballmer deal, he just bought the Clippers, which were number for two. 13 for two. I saw that. And I was like, he's really overpaying. <laughs> there's a lot to be said. You, you, there's it's high profile to own a team right. in LA. You want that? Celebrity. The argument could be made that Madison Square Gardens would be the best way to play owning a sports franchise because mm-hmm. it's kind of a Buffett-esque toll bridge kind of monopoly exactly. kind of thing. You've, I you've like got you got different teams. You got the Rangers. You got For the sure. Knicks. You got yeah. concerts. You're doing uh, like you said TV deals. If I'm going to buy any sports-related uh, franchise, I guess, Kinda. I think Madison Square Garden isn't the worst. Why not move to Green Bay? What? Why not move to Green Bay? <laughs> yeah, New York, Green Bay. Huh. Uh, Tough decision. All right. This this is just another Like, all these hedge fund billionaire-type people, they just like to... Sports teams are now the new trophy. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what they are. That's well said. Um, yeah. And, you know, Paul Allen bought uh, the Seattle uh, Seahawks. They, mm-hmm. of course, just won NFL championships, so good for them. But, I mean... He just owns it for the fun of it. Right. And I think, like, because uh, I don't know if most people know this, but uh, David Tepper a few years ago bought a small, small stick. I think it was like 5% of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Hmm. I think he Didn't wanted know. the pleasure of part owning a sports franchise. Right. But he just looks at the income statements of these things. He's like, I can't do it. Right. Yeah, you're, <laughs> so not, you're not making money off of he, it. He put up a little bit of money, owns 5% of the Steelers. He gets a box. He gets he, to say. He gets a box. He gets to bring people up to yeah, the box. And, and that's, that's yeah, so, yeah. Fair enough. All right. Uh, our other mailbag question has to do with caffeine. Let's check it out. Uh, I love caffeine and also happen to own shares of PepsiCo. Is this the best stock for me to own given my love of caffeinated beverages? PepsiCo, not a bad choice. If you're looking at soda, you got the diversification of PepsiCo's snack business and its beverage business. It's the number two beverage uh, beverage brand in the world besides Coke. Not a bad choice. I'm honestly, if I'm talking strictly caffeine, I'm looking more at Starbucks. I like what Starbucks is doing with La Boulange Bakery. I just had my first sure. La Boulange sandwich, by the way, the other day. Oh, here we go. Delectable. Kind of <laughs> in a little pink bag. It was just warm. And just, it made me feel good. Uh, Mark Reith, connoisseur of all things Starbucks. And Krispy Kreme, <laughs> of course. Um, I, I like... I, the alcohol thing is more of an experiment right now. I'm not making an investment on <laughs> Starbucks. Pieces, yeah. so me going to Starbucks it's an interesting for a thing because they get a huge chunk of their business from morning and afternoon, right. that kind of thing, and then maybe a little in the evenings, decaf or whatever. But that's evenings and after dinner would be the one time a day that Starbucks probably doesn't have a ton of traffic. Absolutely. So it's a good way to get people in the door. You think that's going to work? Are you going to go to if you had to choose between a bar and a Starbucks? Are you going to choose Starbucks? Probably the bar. Probably the bar. Probably the bar. All right, so what's your favorite caffeine um, stock? I do like Starbucks. Um, Monster Beverage, as great as they're doing, and add, like their growth is still fantastic. I'm actually surprised how many people still keep drinking it. Um, very overpriced. Very, very overpriced. stock. And it's, I, I forget the details. Who's suing Monster now for all the health stuff these days? Like we said, so many people are looking towards eating and drinking healthier. Is Monster going to be able to sustain the growth? Like, no How way. is it? I don't know. Yeah. You, you tell no. me. And, um, and that 
the argument could be made given the uh, recent statistics on just soda consumption in the United States. We're not drinking soda anymore. Right. Looking at myself, I'm not. Mm -hmm. You know. Um, so I do like Starbucks as the play on the caffeine. I think when um, uh, Schultz was interviewed, the CEO of Starbucks, mm -hmm. he was talking about he was there. He was asked about his investment in Tivana. Mm -hmm. They were like, you know, can you create kind of a tea culture in the United States, like it is in Asia or England or something like that? Right. And he said. It'll never be nearly as big as Starbucks because people want to pay for the caffeine, mm. and that's why Starbucks is probably the best play if you want to invest on your love of caffeine. <laughs> All right, I'm not a I'm not a coffee drinker, by the way. Can you imagine me on more caffeine? No, I actually assume that you did like several espresso shots before right. you came to the office. No, it's just I'm a, surprised to learn you do not. I, I don't. I just all I do is just. House down some Krispy Kreme donuts, and I use the sugar oh to power me through the day. Oh um, all right, that's it for our mailbag. Let's move on to a rank it game. Uh, this is where we each select a category of stocks that we want to rank in order from best to worst or worst to best. I chose my favorite type of stocks. Video game developers. Oh boy! I know. I'm really excited. Does this play into your future trip at all? Uh, I am going to E3. For those viewers out there who don't know, E3, the Electronic Expo, is out in LA. It's a huge deal. It's where all the big video game developers come together and show off their latest and greatest for the coming year. Well, I'm they going. They have the new um, Arkham Knight game there for you to fool around with yet. Presumably, yes. That would be fun. You have to let me know. I will. I'll absolutely be there with a camera and just playing video games. Who, who is I love the Arkham Knight? <laughs> I will find out. We'll find out. Anyway, so my top five video game developers from worst to best. Right now, the worst out there has got to be Nintendo. I womp no, womp. No one is. Have buying they ever Wii made U. money? They have. So you look at their the, their history. The Wii, just fantastic. Uh, they big deal. they it was a big deal. They dominated the home gaming market. You have a little kid, you're buying a Wii. You're not For buying sure. an Xbox. Yeah. Wii U comes out, whew, dead in the water. Then in the water from the get-go, nobody bought it. It's just, it's, it hasn't outsold the Wii yet, and the Wii's a, a decade-old console at this right. point. So no one's buying the Wii U. Nintendo isn't doing enough to diversify their business away from that. To uh, They're not going mobile. Uh, they're barely starting. Which is uh, a big mistake right there. It's It could be argued that they're trying to keep their brand pure, and that's how they'll find their strength. But right now, I mean, everyone's going mobile. I'm going to talk about EA and Activision and the strength they're having yeah. with mobile in a second. But I uh, know, Nintendo right now, not doing enough to do enough. <laughs> uh, number four right now is Take-Two. Uh, they had a heck of a year after Grand Theft Auto came sure, out. Yeah. The thing about that is Grand Theft Auto, it almost makes Take-Two a cyclical stock. Grand right. Theft Auto comes out. Make a billion dollars. And nothing. then no Make Grand a billion Theft dollars, Auto. nothing. <laughs> exactly. So we're on the nothing. We're on the downslope right now. And you're not going to be investing in the downslope. When it starts evening out, when rumors of Grand Theft Auto come out for the, for the new generation of consoles, people are going to be excited about it. That's when you think about buying again. But right now, on the way down, no way. not for me. Uh, number three is going to be Microsoft. Sales of their Xbox One. Not so great, not compared to the new PlayStation uh, right. this past year. Uh, and that was just uh, because of the screw-ups at the get-go for them. Uh, they came out of the gate limping in a lot of ways. Now they've uh, disconnected the Kinect uh, from their Xbox One. That means the Xbox One is $100 cheaper. Same price as a new PlayStation. I think it's going to mm -hmm. do a lot for their bottom line. And, I mean, Microsoft is a much bigger company than just video games, but now, Xbox is doing very good things for their bottom quick line. Quick question, sorry yeah. to interrupt. Does, was PlayStation is PlayStation winning the current 
Oh yes, absolutely. No, no, no. Are they winning because of the price point mm -hmm. or better games? That's always the question. Uh, right now, it's a little too early to say better games. Uh, okay. There are so few exclusives out there for the consoles, so few best-selling exclusives out there for the consoles that you can't really say it's their library. At the beginning of a new console cycle, it's going to be price point. It's going to okay. be what can gamers afford, and they could afford the PlayStation a lot easier than they could the Xbox One. Right. And no one's using the Kinect anyway, so. <laughs> um, so my top two, and this is an easy one to figure out, it's EA and Activision. EA's number two. Is it a tie? Activision's number one. It's not a tie simply because I like what Activision's doing. They have... They have a very balanced business. They have the long-term cash cow of World of Warcraft, of Skylanders, of those companies that are just going to keep, of those brands that are going to keep on bringing in money over the years. Sure, there are fewer people playing World of Warcraft these days, but there are more people than ever playing Call of Duty. So those big brands are going to keep them sustained. It's just going to keep it going. And it gives them room to explore mobile, which they just blew away this year. It was, mobile accounted for, digital sales accounted for 68% of the company's 770 72 million in non-GAAP revenue. The whistle is appropriate. Yeah, it's huge. That's a lot of money. And it's <laughs> only going to grow. It's only going to get bigger from here. EA is doing similar things. They're trying some mobile stuff out, but they're not nearly as accomplished in it as Activision is right now. So I think Activision is my number one game developer right now. I can't wait to see what they're doing at the new E3. It's going to be so Fantastic. cool. I'm going to play with video <laughs> games all week. It's going to be great. Anyway, that's my top five. Sean, your top five. You chose retailers, I believe. I did. Mm -hmm. Um... Anybody that's been paying attention to the retail sector knows that everybody's complaining about the weather, just like Krispy Kreme was. Right. A lot of the retailers, I don't quite buy it, but we'll just let them do whatever. But okay. I did want to highlight the retailers that have been doing well. Hmm. Okay, so we're going to start or you know, number five, and obviously work our way down. Okay. Uh, number five, and I'm going to surprise everybody here, is actually Coach. Coach. Coach Coach is on your top five. That is a surprise. It is. It's not on many people's top five these and days. And the reason I'm saying it is because of valuation. Hmm. They only trade at like 10, 11 times this year's earnings. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I want to point out was they had, in the most recent quarter, 30% growth in China compared mm -hmm. to last year. There's going to be a time in the next five to ten years when the Chinese middle class is the size of the entire United States population. Right. Do they even care if they're getting beat by Michael Kors here at that point? Fair point. Fair point. You can't deny it. At 10, 11 times earnings compared to, like, I don't know. Okay. Name of the game. Uh, number four is CVS Caremark. Um, everybody's been talking about how great Rite Aid's doing with their turnaround. Actually, that is pretty laudable. Yeah. Starting to get a little bit pricier than I would like. CVS is the market leader in the pharmacy business. Mm -hmm. They are, like, the best. And... I didn't really appreciate until recently how strong their tie-in is with a lot of large health insurers and right. providing drugs to just the average American. Mm -hmm. So um, basically, long and short of it is, you uh, will get a deal through CVS, cheaper you know prescription drugs mm -hmm. through CVS if your corporation has you know their health insurer has uh, an arrangement with CVS and they have a lot of them. Right. People will drive to the other side of town just for this reason. Right. That's a big advantage. So going forward, I do like CVS. Mm. Um, number three, I do like my turnarounds. Another one is Lululemon. Okay. They've, huge pullback. What was their 50, like 75? Big pullback. Yeah, big pullback. Yeah. They're in the 40s now. They actually were in the high 30s. Um, they've got a new CEO, though. Mm -hmm. He is the CEO of Tom Shoes, the kind of charitable mm -hmm. shoes. See all the girls at the office wear them and everything. Um, I think he's the right guy to run the operation. He obviously knows how to run a large organization that kind of has a broader conscious capitalism focus. True. And um, they're starting to roll out um, 
uh, just ways to get in on the uh, market more. They're rolling out a new line, which is more active wear. It's basically clothes you could wear to to the office, out to grab a drink at a bar, and work out in. Mm -hmm. Huge, just huge potential there. Okay. So I, I, I like what Lululemon is doing now. Hmm. Um, number two is, of course, Michael Kors. <laughs> right, makes sense. Um, that's another one that keeps showing, you know, as we were talking about earlier, comps, they just keep killing it. Right. I don't even think I have to explain why Michael Kors is number one. And uh, uh, number two, and number one is, believe it or not, Amazon. I do believe that, as a matter of yeah. fact. Dun, yeah. dun, dun, dun. Why? Um, they just, Wall Street complains about, uh, you know, the lack of profits and all this stuff, but I recently became an Amazon Prime member. Mm -hmm. I'm so happy. I can get so many good stuff. <laughs> for like. No shipping costs, mm -hmm. and the stuff I'm buying is cheaper than it is at Walmart or Target or Wal like Wegmans or something. It's right. really great. All right, it really, really is. Um, despite their size, they've got like eighty billion dollars uh, in revenues last year. They keep growing. Mm. I mean, it's amazing yeah. what they're doing. And the argument could be made that, given the trends we're seeing towards e-commerce mm -hmm. in the last you know ten to fifteen years. Their market size is huge. I mean, you compare them to Walmart with four hundred billion dollars in revenues. Can you? Would you be willing to bet that Amazon will never get to that point? No, I would not bet against Amazon. Period. Quite Game frankly. over. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah, All right. They are number one. All right. Amazon, number one retailer. Remember it. All right. Let's wrap up with some rapid fire tweets. Our first tweet, let's throw it up on the screen, comes from The Onion, it's my favorite. Derrick Rose, pretty sure he just tore ACL by looking at knee. Ah, oh, Derrick Rose. Poor, poor Derrick Rose. Do you, do you follow the Bulls at all? Uh, no, I'm more of a Cleveland Cavaliers fan. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I suppose that's fair. Yeah, Derrick Rose and the Bulls, not so much with the great luck recently, especially with the uh, ACL tears. I'm sure he is. When I was living in Chicago, though, I did go to a uh, Bulls game. Mm -hmm. They worship the 90s there still. Yeah, I, I, I saw I all the banners up there. I was just like, oh gosh. Wouldn't you? I mean, if you had I Jordan. would, yeah. but. Yeah. <sighs> anyway. Anyway. All right. <laughs> Poor guy. Tweet number two. Let's check it out. Uh, from Seema Modi Are you lonely? Your Facebook wall gives us the answer. And this is interesting. So, people who post more personal information on their Facebook walls, their relationship status, um, uh, what they're doing that day, and people who pay. Put less uh, like religious beliefs or political opinions. Apparently, they're more lonely. They're just looking for for love in all the wrong places. Apparently, for on Facebook. Sure. Yeah, that does not surprise me at all. Are, are you lonely? <laughs> What's your Facebook look like? Uh, it has pictures of my son Aww. and not much else. Aww, adorbs. Okay, last but not least, let's check it out. He didn't choose the thug oh life. Gosh. Hashtag hats on cats. When I went on Twitter this morning, He's hashtag living in hats a on cats. Paradise. <laughs> nice. Look at you. God, we're so white. Uh, oh, hashtag God. hats on cats was trending this morning, and I couldn't resist picking up this picture of a cute little kitty. It actually kind of reminds me of Erin Kennedy, another editor over here. She loves cats and she loves hoodies. Did you? Is she in on this at all? You know what? I'm gonna have to forward this to you her. You really should send this. She's to her. not gonna enjoy this shout out, but whatever. Shout out Erin Kennedy. Hi, Erin. That's it for us on where. The money is today. You can follow us on Twitter. You can send us emails at consumergood or cg at fool.com if you want to be included in next week's mailbag. For Sean O'Reilly, I'm Mark Ruth. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next week.